0: Thank you for tuning in to this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right. How we doing? We're getting better. How we doing? I just wanna say, I am so grateful that it rained today. I'm so done with this heat. Is anybody else done with this heat? Uh, Let me ask this question. There's always several people in the crowd. Everybody's a little bit different. Who are my people who are ready for pumpkin spice lattes, fall, just leaves changing. You're ready to break out the hoodies. You're ready to... And then how many of you just like don't want summer to end? How many of you are like, no, I love this heat. Uh, you shouldn't live here in Colorado. You shouldn't live here in Colorado. If you got your Bibles, John 14. John 14, that's where we're gonna be tonight. Week three of our series in the Trinity. Everyone say Trinity. Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you are joining us uh, tonight. Two weeks ago, um, we opened the scriptures. We talked about God, the father, um, how God is an infinite God. God is a personal God and he is good. Um, and if you had the privilege of joining us last week, the Catherine Gerstenberg opened up the scriptures. And, yeah, she's kind of awesome. She's kind of awesome. She talked about, Christ the Son, and now tonight I'm going to talk about the one that seems a little bit more uncomfortable usually to talk about because we never know how to talk about it, God the Holy Spirit. Let's read the word, but before we do, let's pause for a moment. Let's just send ourselves in the presence of God. Lord, we welcome you. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, your presence is welcome in this place. You are here. Father, I pray that tonight would be a night where miracles happen. Where miracles happen. Lord, there are some in this room whose faith hangs by a thread. I pray you'd restore it tonight. There are some in this room whose faith is vibrant and strong. I pray you'd preserve it tonight. And there are some in this room whose faith is dead. I pray you'd give it life tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray you would pour yourself out upon us tonight. You'd fill us. I pray that you would stir our affections towards the God of Israel. I pray that you would make pure our vision and our perspective of you. Would you draw us ever closer to you tonight? Strengthen us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand and would you take hearts of stone And turn them into hearts of flesh tonight in your precious and holy name. And if you are with me, say amen. 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 Not a very long passage tonight. Two verses. Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he's about to be betrayed. And he says this in John 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, everyone say the helper. The helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to which all God's people said. Thanks be to God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have a God who did a creating work at the beginning of time. He created the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the sun, the moon, the stars, the plants, the trees, the land, the sea, and he called it good. And then he created something so magnificent that scripture calls it something in his own image, humanity. And he says it's really good. And we see the creating work of God at the beginning of time. And as we continue to move through scripture, we hit the New Testament where we see Christ the Son, the image of the invisible God. You ever ask yourself that question, what does God look like? What does he talk like? What's his countenance? Scripture says God looks like this and his name is Jesus, came, he lived, he lived perfect for you, for me, he died. Three days later, he rose again. And the work to make things right between us and God again was finished in the person of Jesus Christ. And now we talk about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit, and this is, this is kind of interesting. If you're gonna remember the definition I gave you uh, two weeks ago for the, for the Trinity, this is what it is. God, one who eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God and there is only one God. Broken down, this is what that means. That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all God, fully God. Sometimes we can think about the Holy Spirit like, or God, like he's a pie and he's splitting up into three sections. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But that's a pretty frail version of the Trinity because that's to imply that God the Father is lacking God the Son and God the Holy Spirit or God the Son is lacking God the Father and God the Holy Spirit or God the Holy Spirit is lacking God the Father and God the Son. Are you confused yet? Now you track it with me. No, they're all fully God, all fully God. And we have the creating work of God the Father, the finished work of Christ the Son. And tonight I want to talk to you about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say ongoing work. Ongoing work. Now here's the thing. I want, to, I, want to, I want to out the gate help us set the right way to think about God, the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, I think when we start to think about the Holy Spirit, especially if you're fresh to church and you're starting to get freaked out, because it's like, okay, is this about to get weird? Calm down, it's okay. But I think sometimes we think of God, the Holy Spirit, like it's like he's the Christian Casper, the friendly ghost. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, we had like God, the father, who was like, yeah, he created everything. And then God, the son who like did everything, died on the cross, rose again. And then there's like the Holy Spirit who's kind of like floating around whispering in your ear, waking you up at night, convicting you when you're doing wrong things, making you feel bad. Sometimes like if you go to desperation conference, it's like, oh, the Casper, the friendly ghost is like, he's the one who made you feel really emotional in a moment. And I don't think it's a helpful way to look at God, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes bear with me here. I think we think of God, the Holy Spirit, like it's the force from Star Wars. And we start looking at the Holy Spirit, like it's like, well, if I just kind of like beckon you, you'll kind of start doing cool things on my behalf. You know, and you start kind of going like, I am one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force. You know, it's it's like, if I'm one with the spirit, the spirit is with me. And you start kind of hoping that like, he's gonna like do these really cool things in your life. That's weird. No wonder people think Christians are weird. There are two ways that I want you to think of God the Holy Spirit as we talk about him tonight. Number one, as a person. Not that, not that point number one. Sorry, Becky. But number one as a person. I think all too often we think of God the Holy Spirit as he's kind of this existential like distant void who's kind of around us. And we can call on him and we can kind of talk about him in church and like hope he's gonna come and like bless us with something cool or or perform a sign and wonder. And far too often we think of him as like the presence of God rather than realizing that in fact, he is God himself. The Holy Spirit is a person and that person is God. Are you with me tonight? If you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. The Holy Spirit is a person a person who hears you, a person who speaks to you, a person who has relationship with you, a person who cares about you, a person who is not far away from you, but who is present with you. And you need to hear that that person is God himself. We live in a very unique time in God's grand redemptive story. You see, in the Old Testament, ancient Israel had the privilege of knowing and honoring God the Father in his one nature. The people in Palestine 2000 years ago had the honor and privilege of knowing God the Son in his flesh. Hear me, we live in the time where we get to know and honor God the Holy Spirit As the church, what God has done is not just something of the past. He's present here and among us today. And I think all too often, and I am guilty of it, we dilute, we downgrade the work, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit because we're nervous about it. It kind of feels like something, you know what, there's there's, there's been a lot of hurt that comes when you talk about God, the Holy Spirit, but we need to acknowledge him as a person, God himself who cares about us, the creating work of God, the finished work of Christ the Son, and the ongoing work of God, the Holy Spirit. There are four things that I want to talk to you tonight about the ongoing work of God, the Holy Spirit, and you already saw point number one, the Holy Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit gives life. And there are two contexts in which I want you to understand this. Number one, anything that eats, sleeps, breathes, functions, exists. It exists because of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 104.30, it says this. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. What the psalmist is saying here is that all of the animals, all of the plants, all of human beings themselves, they are created, they exist, they breathe because of your spirit. If we go back to Genesis one and two, we see that when God created man and woman, he breathed into their nostrils. If you look back into the original language, the same word for breath is spirit. The only way you or I or anybody on this planet right now breathes and lives and has life is because the Holy Spirit gave it to them. Are you with me? But this isn't the only way that we see life talked about in the Bible. We see a very real reality of spiritual life. Now, in order to say that the Holy Spirit gives life must mean that inherently something is dead. Something's dead. And what we're getting at here is something that the Apostle Paul told to the Ephesian church, the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, and you were what? Come on, wake up tonight, guys. And you were what? Dead. Dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once were walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So what the apostle Paul is saying here is that you operating in your sin, you living by the passions of your flesh, you being the God of your own life, you thinking you know what is best for your life, you thinking you know what can satisfy your soul is death. It's proof that you're dead. And we know this because when we go back to Genesis chapter three, this is what we see happen with all of creation. We have a God who created everything perfect. He looks at man and he looks at woman and he says, look, everything is yours, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat for if you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. Die. The very essence of death is to be separated from God himself. And what Paul is saying is here, look, we all lived in this reality. He's talking to the believers in Ephesus and he's saying, you remember, You remember when you lived by the passions of your flesh, you functioned as your own God, you were dead. Dead. I need you to hear me this evening. All too often, we look at salvation as something that rests within our own hands. And this is is how I can best describe it. I heard an analogy given one time that salvation is like this. You're drowning in the sea. You're drowning in the sea and God comes by in a boat and he looks at you and he sees you drowning, struggling for life and he throws out a raft to you and then it is your choice if you wanna hop in the raft or not. I have a problem with this illustration. You know why? Because to say that you are drowning would infer that you're still alive. You were dead. You know what that means? It means that nothing in your life ever, would ever, could ever desire a relationship with Jesus unless the Spirit would come and give you life. He gives life. You want to know if you have the Holy Spirit in your life? If there is an ounce of anything within you that wants to give your life and submit your life and surrender your life to the King of kings and Lord of lords, it's because the spirit of God has brought you from death to life. Are you with me tonight? The Holy Spirit gives life. When I was one going on two, the oldest sister in my family was getting baptized at the pastor's house and this is kind of how they did it back then, like you showed up at the pat and he's got a big pool. And so we walk in the back and we, we get in this, where the whole family's there, it's after church, we're all dressed in our nice clothes. And my oldest sister, Bethany, she's getting ready to hop in. And I'm like one and a half. I'm hobbling around in like my shoes that my dad got me from the Ark, because we never bought anything brand new. And they're like the light up shoes, you know. And I was wearing like these cool sweatpants and this button up shirt. And me and, me and the second born, my sister Heidi, we were as thick as thieves when we were kids. We were playing with this beach ball. We're playing with this beach ball and we're kicking around as the pastor is like, you know, like speaking like the message of salvation to Bethany. And she's like, oh yeah, this is so good. And we're like, that's great. We're hitting the beach ball. And next thing we know, in the deep end of the pool, the beach ball falls in. And so me and my little self, I go hobbling over to the pool first. And my sister, Heidi, she's like three and a half maybe at the time. And I'm leaning in over the pool to pick up the beach ball. And just in the moment of the sin nature, she gets so jealous standing behind me and does what any loving sister would do to her one-year-old brother. She kicks me in. She kicks me in. And I, I, I cannot tell you how I remember this so vividly. I, I'm, I'm I'm not even two yet. like, And I just remember sinking, like I'm sinking and I'm in, the, I'm in the pool and it's like, and I vividly remember it was like, my shoe came off. It was like floating up and I'm like sitting down and I, I remember like in that moment, I had not panicked yet. I was just like, I'm underwater. How did I get underwater? And being 100% incapable of coming up my mother in her sunday gown dress without hesitation just like captain marvels this thing and hops in the (laughs) pool and takes her son out i know go moms yeah i want to suggest to you tonight this is the work of the spirit in our lives you being dead and incapable of seeing God for who he is, the spirit comes after you and he gives you life. But there's a beauty to this because it's not the only thing he does. The second ongoing work of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit transforms. The Holy Spirit transforms. And the apostle Paul gets at this. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says this, and we all with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The good news of the gospel, hear me, is not just that God comes and meets you where you are in your brokenness, but that by the power of his spirit, he does not leave you there. He transforms you from one degree of glory to the next to look like the person of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine a wedding where everything's perfect? The crowd's there, the groom is standing, he's weeping, I was, it was awful. The bride, like all unveiled, the bride comes in and it gets more emotional, everybody's standing. Bride walks down the aisle. You got the pastor who says, you know, who gives this woman to be with this man? Everything's perfect, okay? You're going through the ceremony. You got two lovely young people looking in each other's eyes, just so captivated with one another, excited to start life together. And they go through their vows before the Lord. And they go through their vows before each other. And right as the man says... You know, like I commit to give myself to you. I vow to be with you in sickness and in health till death do us part. All this wonderful jazz. He kisses the bride and then walks away and never sees her again. That would be so lame. All the girls are like, uh-uh, not my wedding, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no. But can you imagine? It's like, oh, I, I commit to peace. You walk out and and she never sees the groom. And so often we think this is what God does to us. We think that his love for you only went as far is telling you that he cares about you, showing you that he cares about you. And then he walks away and says, figure life out. Do marriage on your own. No, (laughs) that's not how it works. I tell you right now, the man I was five years and three months ago marrying that beautiful woman is very different now than it was then, (laughs) why? Because when you enter into covenant with someone inherently, you're entering into relationship with them. Relationship with them. And so what God does is he says, he meets you where all of your desires are about yourself. He meets you in all your brokenness, all of your pain, all of your sorrow, all of your frailty, all of your sin. And he says, look at me, let me change your appetite. Instead of being captivated with what others think about you, let me show you what it looks like to trust what God thinks about you. Instead of, looking for your security and your value in what others say about you. Let me give you an identity that's eternal with what God says about you. And we get what this starts to look like from the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.22 when he starts talking about the fruits of the spirit. He says, but the fruits of the spirit are this, love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. God meets you where you are. He gives you life. And then the Holy Spirit just looks at you and says, let me show you a life that's actually worth living. And he begins to transform you. And then he does something so profound. The Holy Spirit unifies. He unifies. Ooh, I'm about to step on some toes for this one. He looks at black people and white people, and he looks at Democrats and Republicans, and he looks at men and he looks at women And he looks at every human being in every tribe, nation, and tongue. And he makes them one. He makes them one. And if we're going to be honest, we don't like this reality very much. People make me mad. My wife makes me mad, Mm -hmm. but I love her, but I love her. I'm gonna give you a news flash. If you get married one day, the person you marry is gonna be the person who makes you more angry than any other human being on planet earth. It ain't all sunshine and rainbows and whiskers on kittens. Sometimes there's dark valleys. There is a valley of the shadow of death when it comes to marriage and yet, The work of the spirit takes myself, takes my wife and makes us one. You know what Jesus said to his disciples as his last command? He looks at them and he says this, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, what? That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all the people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, the greatest apologetic, the greatest defense for the Christian faith, it is not in our theology. The greatest defense for the Christian faith is not in our services or our gatherings. The greatest defense for the Christian faith is not in our political or theological beliefs. It is in our ability, hear me, to love one another. You notice how Jesus doesn't say to tolerate one another? Notice how he don't say that. Can you imagine if on your wedding day you look at your spouse and say, I can't wait to tolerate you. Marriage is the perfect illustration for tonight. I don't know why, but it just works. (laughs) Can you imagine? If you looked at your spouse and said, I will talk, fellas, it won't work. She'll walk away on the altar. No. The commission of the gospel is to love one another. Love one another. You know, when Paul was talking about the church, the illustration that he gave was a body. It was a body. He said, look, there are going to be people that Jesus chose to love. Jesus chose to call that the Holy Spirit has made your family. And you know what your role is. Even though you don't agree with them. Even though you can't stand them. Even though all you want to do is tolerate them. What the Holy Spirit does is he makes it to where you can love them. Hear me brothers and sisters, this is why when we look what's happening in our nation right now, this is why when the world starts responding with so much bitterness and hatred, God's response is his church. He says, let me show you a place where people are messy and perfect. They can't stand one another, but they learn to love one another because they are in Christ. This is what it means to be the people of God, that the Holy Spirit would come and give us life, that he would transform us into the image of Christ and place us in a body. Make us one people that despite our differences, despite our skin color, despite our theological beliefs, despite whether you are Pentecostal or Presbyterian or a Calvinist or an Arminianist or whatever, that Jesus would be Lord. And that that's where you would find your unity. Are you with me tonight? And the final thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit sustains. He sustains. Philippians 1, 6, the Apostle Paul, he says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Of Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is good news. You know why it's good news? Because it means that your relationship with God, your right standing before God, is not dependent on your willpower, it's not dependent on your strength. Now, hear what I'm telling you. Does this mean? That obedience to God doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit sustains, no. Does this mean that grace is a license to sin and do whatever you want with your life, no. This is what it means. It means that the power by which you were called into relationship with Jesus is the same power by which you will stay in relationship with Jesus. The only way you're going to wake up by God's grace 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years from now and still call yourself a follower of Christ is because the Holy Spirit sustained you. Can you stand with me? I wanna do something that feels a little bit uncomfortable because I think we hear a message like this, we go through a series like this And the question that I wanna ask you this evening is do you know God? In the stillness of this room, no music, nothing to bring you any form of comfort, I wanna ask you that. Do you know God? Do you know him? And what I really wanna ask you is if you say you do Do you love him more than anything else in your life? Can your life go on without him? Or do you see yourself in desperate need of him every single day? That's hard. Band, you guys can come up. It's hard. But at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we see Jesus Christ as Lord? And if your answer to that can be yes, then I have good news for you. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And if the answer to that is no for you, I have good news. The Holy Spirit is coming after you tonight. He's coming after you tonight. Can you close your eyes? Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. The psalmist is talking to the Lord. And he says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Spirit does a lot of things. Gives life, he transforms our lives. For followers of Jesus, he actually makes his dwelling place in our lives. He gives gifts to his people. He gives gifts. The Holy Spirit, He can whew, He can take the sick and make them well. The Holy Spirit. He can bind up the brokenhearted. He can proclaim liberty to the captives. The Holy Spirit can meet you wherever you are in your life tonight. And he can give you new life. We have said a prayer around here hundreds of times. We prayed it at Desperation Conference this year. We've prayed it at the beginning of, oh, so many services. If you were in junior high with me, we make this prayer in junior high, three simple words, come Holy Spirit. And I need you to hear tonight that when you say those three words, you are inviting the God of the universe into your life. You are inviting the present Person of God himself into your life here and now. And so as we head back into worship here, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to say the words of this song. Create in me a clean heart of oh God. I want you to invite the person, the power, presence of the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do in your own strength, to give you new life, to transform you from one degree of glory to the next into the image of Jesus Christ, to unify you with the people of God, those who you can't stand, and to sustain you even when your soul is weary. That's what I want to invite you to do. Let's take a moment, Holy Spirit, we say come, have your way, speak to us, give us new life, transform us, unify us, sustain us, we welcome you. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.